We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Josh Buffo, the Motivational Business Banker, says, if Nick Saban ever left Alabama to another school, challenge, where would you like to see him go and why? Not Notre Dame. Nick Saban could go anywhere. Uh, I mean, he's NFL. already – Guys in his I, I 70s. Say, I was about to say, like, I mean, the only thing that he hasn't proven is that he could be a quality NFL head coach, right? Like, that's the only thing that Nick Saban really hasn't accomplished. He's been one of the best college coaches we have ever seen. You know, has an argument to be one of the best ever. He was a very good assistant on the NFL level for a little bit there, won a Super Bowl as an assistant coach. I, I think the only thing was – People in the NFL circles are going to look back and say, you know, his two years with the Miami Dolphins weren't great, though, right? Like, that wasn't the most – the highlight of his career. So, I don't think there's any really place in college football I would want to see him. I mean, he's been at LSU. He's been at Michigan State. He's been at Alabama. He's won everywhere he's been. I mean, he's done what he what – he, he's done everything he, that you would ask for of a college head coach. I think the only challenge is – NFL. NFL, yeah. I'll say this, Ryan. I think – this is going to sound weird because he's in his 70s now, but I think Nick Saban is better equipped to be a co- an NFL coach now than he's ever been in his career. I just think the nature of what recruiting has become, the sort of the dealing with the personalities you have to deal with, the NIL stuff. I'm not. I'm still not saying he'd be a great head coach. I still think there'd be some domineering issues that he would have. Right. But I think he's better equipped to handle it now than he would than he was when he tried to do it back in was it 20 2000 what. Six, 2005, like 2006. That. Yeah. And he's much more better equipped to handle that now than he was then. But I I, I don't want to see him go anywhere else. I want to see him retired at Alabama. I, and he's 70, <laughs> so you're probably was, not going to, right? I was really hoping he was going to retire for the 2020 season because I, I like seeing guys retire on top. And whatever you feel about Nick Saban, he's the greatest coach of this generation. I don't oh, think easy. that's arguable. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. easier to win at Alabama. Well, then why hadn't any coach won like he's won at Alabama ever anywhere? <laughs> Weren't they six and yeah. seven the year before he took over yeah. or something like that with Mike Shula? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, Mike, the Mike DeBose era didn't go that much better either. Gene Stallings yeah. won a title, but Gene didn't have the consistent t- success that he had. So, uh, you know, he, he what he's done is amazing. And he won a title at LSU for the first time in however long, right? He basically yeah. laid the foundation for what LSU became. Guy won at Michigan State, you know, I mean – He's a heck of a college coach. There's no doubt about it. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. From Nathan Mellon, he said, do you think the blue goal game should be touch versus tackle? These There seems to be a ton of injuries come da- come out of it. Do most all schools do tackle in spring games? Not everyone does tackle in spring games. Ohio State doesn't. Look, if you're not going to tackle, you might as well not play. I'm sorry. Right. I, I'm sorry. There's a reason Michigan has physically kicked the crap out of Ohio State the last two years because I don't think Ryan Day does a good job instilling toughness in his football team. I'm, I'm just – look, they – if Ohio, if this look, if college football turned into flag football, Ohio State would be Alabama. They'd be winning titles like every other year, every year. I mean, nobody can hang with Ohio State in a seven on seven tournament. But football still tackling and blocking and running and all that other kind of stuff. And Ryan Day hadn't figured that out yet as a head coach, and so he's got to figure that out, in my opinion. Now, uh, kind of getting to this too, Ryan is. I don't I don't know that I've seen a lot of injuries come out of spring game. There have been some, but there's always some that come out yeah. of these things. I mean, last year the thing with Logan Diggs, it wasn't when he got tackled. He tried to stiff arm a guy. Well, you're still gonna do that in a in a touch game. You're a matter of fact, you're gonna do it even more in a touch game because I don't want you to get your hands on me, right? And look, anyone who grew up playing football on the streets when it was two hand touch knew a stiff arm was your best friend. Yes. You know what I mean? So um you know, a lot, lot of bloodshed on the football field growing up in my life because of stiff arms, because we didn't know how to do them as, you know, eight, nine-year-olds. But anyway, uh, I, 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 if you're not going to tackle, you might as well just not even do it. I'm sorry. Just yeah. have a practice. Let people pay to come watch you practice and just call it a practice. Uh, but you know, now, does that mean that I'm out there having these kids beat their brains in for a full 60-minute football game? No, I'm having them play hard for half, and then I'm putting the rest of the kids in for the second half. So uh, you should be able to tackle in the spring game. And if you're at the point where your roster where you can't tackle, then don't have the spring game. You know, just like have fun with it. Have a skills competition. Have a seven-on-seven tournament or something. You know what I mean? Like seriously, have one-on-ones. Like fans would get a lot more out of that. And some people do that. Some people do that, you know. Yeah. yeah. I'd rather you do stuff like that. I mean, have some fun with it. And and then, you know, have a race. Have your your fastest man competition. There's a lot of things you could do that fans would still pay to come see you play. So you work out. I forget who it was last year, but there was a team last year that kind of broke it. The practice of wasn't it Michigan State? I can't. I really can't remember. For some reason, Michigan State pops in my head for having done something like that. I could be wrong, but it was literally like they went through like seven on seven. They did a bunch of individual work. Like they did some fun stuff. Like there was, yeah, it was kind of like a mixture of things. It wasn't a. It wasn't a scrimmage. It was literally just a. I would call it glorified practice with like different sections, like a subsection in it. It was, it was interesting. I mean, but again, I mean, that's their process. It's not Notre Dame's process, obviously. So yeah. let's get to some more questions here as we move forward with this. Um, let's here. Here's one Homer from Homer TD said, Oh no. Mike Farrell <laughs> called saw him. the name. You didn't even I see saw, what he I said. S- you just saw the name. No, I, I saw this comment earlier, actually. I was hoping this didn't get starred. Mike Farrell called the Notre Dame running back room average this morning. 
Hmm. Oh, the irony of a very average person calling Notre Dame's running back room average. All I'll say is I just wanted to bring this up to say consider the source. Yeah. Look, I don't know how many times I got to tell y'all. There are just some people whose opinions you need to stop listening to and getting worked up over. This yeah. is one. I just nothing and I'm bringing it up to address it because I'm I'm just going to try again to get you all to understand there is merit to getting your information from multiple sources. I am not someone who believes you should only ever listen to us. If that were true, I would never mention my fondness of Tim O'Malley. I would never bring Tim Priester on the show. I would never talk about Lou Samoji or anybody else that may do this. I'll just pretend. Let's pretend that we live in our own sphere and we're the only ones whose opinions matter. Yes, I think our opinions are the most valuable. Otherwise, I wouldn't give them. But you should always expand your knowledge and who you listen to. It helps you. It challenges you. If me and Tim Priester are talking about the same subject and I'm coming at it from one view and he has a difference of opinion, that's good for you. Because you can listen to my argument, you can listen to Tim's argument, and then you can evaluate the facts as you see them and come to your own conclusion. That's a good thing. There are, however, some people that are just really not good at this, and they should not be people you listen to. Don't come to me and say, well, Skip Bayless said this. That's just not a person you should be taking seriously or listening to. I'm sorry. That's another example. It's not a person whose opinion you should care about, and it's definitely not a person's opinion that you should really value and i and i don't think that he does but it's just kind of like you know sometimes you just can't unthink you can't unsee things and there are certain yeah. things just kind of bring your iq level down sometimes it's just best not to see something because it's just that bad and i'm i'm there's a couple other words i wanted to use that i'm just i'm going to try to be nice but it's just best to there, there's a there's an, a mute and a block button that you can use on twitter that i would encourage you to use more liberally in your future make you happier, healthier, mentally healthier person. I think the, I'll give one example to illustrate my feelings on this. I once saw a podcast where I believe that Mike Farrell and big game boomer were on together. <laughs> That's all I have to say about that. That's all you got to say. Oh my gosh. Oh man. Oh man. Okay. Uh, let's, let's get down here. Uh, Let's get this one from uh, Rob Thedoff. Rob Thedoff said, Ryan, Brian Ryan, if Notre Dame is uh, – sorry, if Ohio State is not on probation in 2012, we probably play them in the BCS national title game. Who wins? I think we win in a close one if we limit their run game. I, I will say this, Ryan. If the Manti stuff wasn't going on, I would agree with that. I think that Notre Dame team was mentally shook going into that game because it was starting to break in the locker room, the stuff that happened with Manti. I mean, players have said it. We knew what was going on before that game. I just don't think they were locked in and focused. If yeah. we saw the same Notre Dame team in that game that we saw all season, I think they beat Ohio State. I think it would have been a very close game, but I think they'd have beat Ohio State. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I do think they would have won that game if. But that's not the reality, and the reality was not that. And so with the reality of what it was, it had been a tougher game. Now, do I think that Ohio State would have done to Notre Dame what Alabama did? No, I do not. I absolutely do not. That was a good Ohio State team, but it wasn't nearly as good as the one. I mean, that was an Ohio State team that, you know, beat Michigan by five that year. Notre Dame beat Michigan by, what, six? I mean, there was a comparable yeah. score. They beat Michigan State by a point that year. You know, Notre Dame beat Michigan State far more convincingly that year. Notre Dame beat them 20-3, to three and it wasn't that close. Uh, Ohio State beat it by a point. Ohio State that year beat Indiana by three. They beat Purdue by a touchdown. Notre Dame beat Purdue by a touchdown. So, you know, there's a lot of similarities between those two teams. Uh, to me, I, that was a really good football team, but it wasn't it wasn't as good as like the 14 and 15 teams, talent wise. It, it just wasn't. You know, Ryan Shazier was a good player. I liked him a lot. You know, but their D line wasn't as dynamic. You know, John Simon was their best D lineman. Uh, you know, he's a good player, but I mean, he would he wanted Notre Dame would have had a lot more success offensively than they did against Bama, in my opinion. Um, you know, Bradley Roby was a good player, but the rest of their secondary was was vulnerable. I mean, again, this is a team, Ryan, that that gave up 28 points to Cal, 500 yards to Cal. This team gave up 38 points and 437 yards to Nebraska, 49 points and 481 yards to Indiana. You know, I mean, it was not a great Ohio State defense that year. 
and their offense was had some dynamic guys on it. Don't get me wrong, but you know Braxton Cave, Carlos Hyde's pretty good, but you know the, the weapons on the outside to me weren't as scary. I forgot about Carlos Hyde. Yeah, Carlos Hyde. yeah. So no, I I, I think I think Notre Dame could have. I think Notre Dame would have definitely beat them if they didn't have all that other stuff with all the other stuff going on. It would have been a lot tougher to win, but I think they still were capable of winning. They just it was just the perfect storm for them going in the Bama game that year. Who was the quarterback? Was it Pryor? Braxton Miller? I was Braxton Miller. Braxton right? Miller. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Yeah. 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 Gotcha. And he he was he was dynamic, man. He was a very well, dynamic. Great athlete. Great yeah. athlete. Yep. Yeah. But I think Notre Dame would have been able to to somewhat limit the run game, not li- like not stop it. I mean, it was, that was a pretty darn good run game. But I think they'd have been able to limit it, like like Wisconsin did. I mean, Wisconsin did a pretty good job of limiting the run game that year too. You know, held them 139 yards because Wisconsin was big and physical. Notre Dame was big and physical. And I think they'd have been able to win in the trenches. Now, the skill would have still made plays, but I think Notre Dame would have made some plays too. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Here's uh, here we'll get some recruiting ones in here, Ryan. Nathan Mellon said, if Notre Dame gets Elijah rushing, Justin Scott, the Smith twins, and TJ Lindsay, would that be the best defensive line haul in the last 20 years? Well, no. Uh, number number one, they're not going to get the Smith twins yeah. uh, to me. And you're missing Owen Wafel in yes. that one as well. Yep. So let's say you get rid of the Smith twins. And 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 you add Owen Wafel and then say Cole Mullins and Bryce Young is comparable to the Smith twins as a duo, in my opinion. I'd actually say a little bit better. Uh, is it is is it the best D line haul they've had in twenty years? No, but it's in the conversation. It's not as good as the 2012, uh, 2011 group, but I'll say this: or, or the twenty yeah the twenty eleven group. But I'll say this, it's a more complete D-line than the 2011 group. And what I mean by that is the 2011 group was not as great inside, yeah. right? Like the, the, their interior wasn't great. You had Tony Springman was part of that. He was he was an inside guy. You had, um, you know, try, Chase Hounsell was an inside guy. That was a, a great – Brad Carrico would have been an inside guy. That was a great class because you were just loaded at defensive end. You had Stefan Tuitt, who was a five-star. Aaron Lynch, who was a five-star. And Ishak Williams, who was a five-star. That top three would have definitely been better than this group of, of at the top. But yeah. this would be a much more balanced group with good inside and good outside and a deeper group because that there's a drop-off after that top three. I mean, Anthony Boss was a nice player, but he wasn't that same kind of guy. So I think I think – it, it's in the conversation. I mean, there's other years. The, the 2016 offensive line, defensive line class was really good. Khalid Kareem, Dalen Hayes, Julian Aguara. I love Dottie Dekumbo. He's upside. I gave him a four and a half star upside. Very similar to Bryce Young as a recruit. Like maybe the grade's not great now, but you see the frame, you see the potential upside. So uh, it's in the conversation. If you give it rushing Scott, uh, Cole Mullins, um, Price Young and Owen Wafel, and then maybe TJ Lindsay. Yeah. That's a heck of a D line class. Is it? Is it the best haul in twenty years? I don't think. I mean, there, there's been some other years. I'd have to go back and look. But Charlie had a year where he had a really good D line class. I think it was 08. I think in 08, didn't they have? Yeah, they had like Ethan Johnson. Uh, here's their D line class in 2008 because you had Darius Fleming, who was a top 150 guy. You had Sean Swinar, that was a top 250 guy. You had Ethan Johnson, who was a borderline five-star. You had Capron Lewis-Moore, who was a four-star. You had Brandon Newman, Hafiz Williams. That was a really good D-line class. Really good D-line class. So there's been some others. It's in the conversation, but I don't know if it, I would say it's the best. Yeah, I, I think complete is the way to put that class, though, right? I mean, you have two high-impact type of players, like the Justin Scotts of the world, like the TJ – like, um, excuse me, Elijah Rushings, if that was this class you got. and But it was it's just – that class is so complete, right? You have your strong side ends, you have your vipers, you have your noses, you have your three techs. So I think it's definitely in the conversation as far as being the most complete class. But I mean, again, like that 2011 group, you have three like legit five-star talents. I mean, look, <laughs> I, I know their careers didn't always turn out, but we can only evaluate them on where they were as high school kids if you're going to compare them to this group. And as high school players, that was an unreal 
defensive line class, like unreal defensive line, defensive end class. And that was the problem through a lot of Kelly's tenure. 2016 is the same way, Ryan. That's a heck of a defensive end class. Do you know who their defensive tackle was in that class? No. All right. Do you know why you don't know who the defensive tackle was in that class? Because he wasn't good. Because <laughs> he didn't. They didn't have one. Oh, okay. Well, that's that. But he definitely wasn't good then. Definitely wasn't good then. <laughs> he did not exist. Yes. Uh, so that's why you can't remember it. Um. Uh. So yeah. Uh, the completeness is what I like about this group. That's what I yeah. like about this group. All right. So Ryan, I'm gonna have you read this one and then answer it as well. Okay. From Brandon Plesner says, is Luke Tollick coming in the summer and will he start at the safety position? The answer is yes to both, Brandon. Luke will be making his way on campus for the summer workouts and he will begin his career as a safety. I know me and Brian have talked about it before. I think that there is some projection that he might be a rover down the line, but he will begin his career as a safety at Notre Dame. So, yes. And if you did have any thought of maybe moving him somewhere else, I think the current depth chart at safety is going to make that a little bit harder. Yes. But I, I think that part of it too, Ryan, is is what is he doing? He's going to have a good month and a half in the weight room yep. on top of whatever he's doing in the weight room now. He can end up outgrowing it, certainly. He could. But right now, I, I agree with Ryan. Yeah. All right. Here's one. I'll have you. I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and I'll knock this one out after uh, you read this one. Irish trending. Steve Wolfong says if he had to put a crystal ball in for Elijah rushing, it would be Notre Dame. What makes you guys feel differently? So like, this is kind of how this works, right? Um, you know, Steve's not just like taking a, a dart and letting a dartboard and Elijah rushing and listening to a bunch of schools, throwing a dart at it. That's how he's doing. Right. Steve has Intel. Steve has sources that he made him think that this is what he's going to do. And that's where we are. And sometimes we have the same sources and sometimes we don't. And with us, when we've talked to different sources, including Elijah, uh, none of our sources give us the impression that Notre Dame is the school to beat right now. I would argue that I don't think Steve's assertion that Notre Dame is the leader is absurd because I would, I would claim that I don't really think he has a leader. And I could be in a scenario, Ryan, where you could convince me that if you started telling me about Elijah rushing as a young man and what's important to him and all that, that you could say, I think Notre Dame's the best fit for him. I'm like, yeah, okay, I get sure. that, right? Yeah. And so I'm so not sitting there bashing 3.8 3. GPA, Catholic yeah. school. Yeah. yeah. Sure. It's good kid, smart kid. Yeah. You know, family's been through this process before, et cetera, et cetera. And I just think his, his notion is absurd. Or this is why you should never listen to Steve Wolfong. It's just we can only tell you what our sources tell us, just like him. I mean, he, again, he's not just throwing darts up against the wall. None of our intel, none of our sources on either side of this have given us the impression that Notre Dame is the team to beat. And that's why. Now, what we've said is true. We think um, we think that uh, they're the team to beat, you know, or that, that they're not the team to beat. But I would argue is I don't know if there is a team to beat. and. So that's why I don't think like if, if there was a team like, dude, he's so going to Oregon right now, then I'd say that was a pretty absurd claim. But I don't think there is that kind of team right now, right? I mean, I think Arizona is an attractive option. I think his brother goes there, right? Didn't his brother just transfer there from Florida? I believe his older brother. Um, believe I think so, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's what's his name? It's like, is it the Cruz? I forget what his Cruz rushing. Something I think like that, it's, yeah. I think Safety. that's, yeah. But I think he just transferred. Uh, he's at Arizona he, now, I know. Yeah. Uh, so he was at Florida and transferred yeah. to Arizona. He's from yeah. Arizona. I think Oregon's a team that's going to be. I mean, there's a lot of schools in the mix right now. Just right now, Notre Dame's perception, according to all of our sources, who are pretty good, is that there's still, there's still some ground to make up there. And so um, that's just kind of where we feel. But as we said, I think they got a puncher's chance. Yep. Now, if they end up getting him, does that mean that we're wrong, that they're not the leader right now? No. no <laughs> Just, no. you know. It's not how um, timelines work. It's not how timelines work. <laughs> right. But, you know, they got a puncher's chance. I mean, let, let's just see how he, let's just see what happens when he gets on campus. And that's what, that's what I'm, you know, that's what I'm kind of concerned about. Yep. So, Nathan Milton has a super chat. Nathan, thank you for that. Uh, he says, can we get an update on Kirby Lambert? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Nathan, we took him off the visitor list last night. I mean, basically it was had been reported and we were able to verify last night that Gerby Lambert will not be making the trip to Notre Dame this weekend. Don't have a reason why. You know, we'll get obviously more in depth on that when we can. But, um, you know, as of right now, we don't have a new date or anything like that. Just that Gerby will not be making the visit to Notre Dame this weekend. It's not a great sign for Notre Dame, but it's not as bad as I would perceive with other kids. Yeah, because I don't think Kirby's gone anywhere this spring. He hasn't. So he hasn't gone anywhere this spring. So yeah. I don't yeah. know what the deal is, but like he is. Like if he was like here, here's what makes me nervous about why I don't think Notre Dame's a, a major player for Jalen McLean anymore because he tells us all the right things. And at one point yes. in time, I mean, Notre Dame was his leader, but it's like he says, "I'm going to visit Notre Dame. I'm going to visit Notre Dame." As he goes out and sees Oregon and Penn <laughs> State and Ohio State and all these, but he never comes to Notre Dame. That's okay. He's not coming to Notre Dame. Yeah. With Gearby, it's it's he doesn't say anything. He doesn't go anywhere. So <laughs> yeah, I, I you know, <laughs> I just I don't know what to say. You know, I, I, I just I yeah, I really don't know what to say on that one. So yeah. We'll yeah, if, if he if he starts setting up a bunch of different visits soon and Notre Dame's not included, then you can yeah. start to worry a lot well, more. We'll, so. we'll stick with we'll stick with the Gearby question here. I'm gonna jump the, down here to get to this one. Okay, and Brandon says, if the staff misses on Gerby Lambert but has, but gets Styles Prescott, do you think they should push for Bricks, Grant Bricks? He's the offensive lineman out of Iowa, or just cut your losses and stick with three offensive linemen? What do you think they do in that situation? Well, I think for one, That's Ryan, I, I, I don't think this staff is locked into four offensive linemen in this class. Yeah. And I, I could see I, honestly, I, I don't I don't blame them for that fact either because I don't think it's a great class nationally. I mean, Kevin Haywood is a kid that they're looking at, and he's a guy that I could see them maybe pushing for um, a little harder. I don't know if they'll get him. I, I you know he's he's okay. There's just not a lot of these guys that I I really love, Ryan. To be completely honest yeah. with you, I mean, Grant Bricks does some good things and. You know, I think I was texting you about this the other day. Like, I see his ranking, and and I'm like, you know, there's some stuff I like, but I just I just don't see what others see. I'm popping yeah. this film in again. You know, maybe maybe I have the wrong guy. Sometimes I've watched the wrong guy. Um, you know, but uh, when I see Grant Bricks, I, I think he's a really good football player, but I think he's a guard. You know, I I just I don't know if he's a tackle kind of guy. I mean, you watch him play in high school and. And what is when is Grant Bricks doing the thing? When is he at his best? He's down blocking and just destroying a guy and driving him right into the ground. Yeah, right. It's the same. It's the same concern I had with Sullivan Absher. It's the same argument Ryan and I uh, had when when we were talking about how Notre Dame projected Sullivan Absher. Like, okay, you know, I can see what you're saying, but when I pop on the film, I see guard, guard, yes. guard, <laughs> guard, 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 and so that's a little bit of my issue with like I like Grant Bricks is. I, I just when I say I don't see it with Grant Bricks, I'm talking about I just don't see the fit based on where you are in your class right now. Yeah. When you've already got basically kind of two guys that you view as interior players. So I, that's the t- I mean, I, I thought Caleb Brewer was more of a of a tackle than than Grant Bricks is. To be I, agree. With you. I agree there. Yeah. You know, so um, yeah. So I mean, I, I, I don't if they get Styles Prescott, I feel good that they got a kid that I who I like with his upside attack, like I do. What I would honestly do is I would slow down and I would say, okay, let's 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 keep recruiting the guys we really like. Let's keep recruiting Gary. If, if Group Lambert, let's just say tomorrow committed to Penn State, and I, I don't even know where Penn State is. I don't have a clue what's going on with Gary Lambert in recruiting right now. Yeah. But let's just, you know, East Coast kid <clears throat> for argument's sake, let's say he goes to Penn State. Keep recruiting him. Keep Brandon Baker right now is not giving Notre Dame a, 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 a much of a look. Now I, I think Brandon Baker's a good offensive tackle. I don't think he's like let's just I don't know if there's a single tackle in this class anywhere that I've seen yet. And there's a couple guys I need to go watch, including Brandon Baker, is a guy that I view into the category about to say. I don't think any of those guys would be in the top five of the tackle class last year. None of them are as good as Monroe Freeling, Charles Jagasaw, no. um, Samson Okanlola. J- Javon Williams or the kid from that's going to Miami, who's you know Francis. Um, my, my you know about, my right? Yeah, I, and I'm talking about junior film. I think yeah. the best blockers in this class I've seen so far, Ryan, are interior guys. 
I think this is a really strong, yeah, this is a really strong interior line class. It's not a great tackle class outside of, you know, five or six guys. So what I would say is figure out the guys you like and keep recruiting them and try to flip somebody. And if you don't, you're good. You get three guys and Chuck, go after the 24, 25 guys. Cause there's some pretty good offensive linemen already on the board in the 25 class, or at least that they're talking to Uh, the Owen Street, big kid. I went and watched him the other day. It's like, okay, yeah, that'll play. Six eight two ninety, yeah, it'll yeah, play. <laughs> you know, uh, there's some guys in that class, Ryan, that I, that I like, and not, not all of them have been offered yet, right? David I mean, Sanders, right? David Sanders is. A, it, I mean, honestly, Ryan, I'll say this: it's not really that hot of a take. David Sanders, right now, right now, is the best offensive lineman in high school football, regardless of class. Oh yeah, team. I agree with that. I agree. You yeah. know, and and so you know, now again, I know Notre Dame hasn't offered most of these kids. But there's some really good off young offensive linemen that I've seen in the 25 class. I would focus more on that. But I would just say try to flip one of the dudes. Don't stop recruiting Gearby just because he goes somewhere else. Especially if you get Styles Prescott. Yep. And, and and they think Anthony Knapp has a little bit of tackle potential too. So I'd say, all right, if that's the case, then you just keep recruiting the dudes you like. Don't settle. Right? Yep. That's what I would do. Because if you need to, you can go to the portal next year. Guys, listen, if Notre Dame needed an offensive lineman, there's plenty of portal kids that they could go after and get. There, yeah. there is. There is. So that's that's where I would be. Here, here so we'll move on from that one. But, yeah, it's a good question, Brandon. It's a very good question. And that's some that's of the challenges question. that coaches have to have. to have. You know, sometimes you got to make those tough decisions. Absolutely. Question from Keith Wigan, which is an interesting one. He says, Cole Sullivan or Bodie Cahoon? This is a lot. I think this is a lot easier answer for me than it is Ryan. So I'll yeah. give my answer right now. And for me, it's Bodie Cahoon. I, I'm not, I'm not a huge Cole Sullivan guy. I mean, he's got some upside and, and I, he's not as, he's not like when at first Ryan, I was like, no way. Now I'm like, all right, you know, there's some things he likes. I've kind of come around to a degree, but I'm still in a, you can only take one of them. And if I can only take one of them, take Bodie Cahoon. I think Bodie's a, a better lateral player. I think Cole's got some really nice down. Here's the problem I have. Colt Sullivan plays like a Viper, but he's built like a Rover. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of how I see it, Ryan. I mean, he he's built like a guy that eventually needs to put his hand on the ground and run, rush off the edge. He doesn't have the body for him. He looks, he looks more like Luke Talich than he does Drake Bowen or, you know, Nolan. Right Zick. now he does. You're not you know what I mean? And, and yeah. so it's like, I, you know, Bodie Cahoon has a more of a linebacker body. I think he's got really good short area quickness and speed. He's more of a, of a pure inside guy to me. He's not a guy that can play Rover. Uh, I think he's got more potential and upside, especially if he starts playing, you know, focusing on one sport. So to me, Bodie Cahoon, to me, is definitely the better prospect. And and the guy that if I can only take one of them, I'm, I'm taking him. Um, and, I, and look, there's a scenario where Bodie Cahoon is part of your linebacker class. Uh, 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 it's part of a linebacker class that I'm fired up about. I just don't know if I could get my, I don't know if I could be fired up about an offensive line class that has both of them in it. Yeah. That, I agree there. I agree with that. I, I would say for me, it's, it's a lot closer than I think it is for Brian. I, I like Bodie. I do. I, I consider him more of just like a Mike though. I, I think the thing mm-hmm. that separates Cole for me is I think he could potentially play a couple different spots. Like I think he could play a little bit of Rover. I think he could play Will eventually. I think he's a little bit of a twitchier athlete overall, just kind of coming downhill and being a little bit rangier. So I like Cole, I think a little bit more than Bodie, but they're both in the same bucket for me, man. Like this isn't like a one guy's a top 150 player. One guy's a top 300 player. Like I think they're both kind of in similar buckets for me. Yeah. So I, I have a question. Uh, for Brandon, Brandon, you said Cahoon, Kingston, Viama, Viliama, Asa, and Cole Sullivan. I'll take that. I think so he might you, be talking about maybe, maybe Cole Sullivan or Chris Cole. He might be talking that's about what as well. That's, that's what yeah. I'm trying to find out. Are you talking about because that could change things yes. on whether I agree with you or not? If you're talking about Cole Sullivan or Chris Cole, I'm very curious about that. Well, um, Brandon's very anti having Bodie and Cole and Sullivan in the same class. So I'm yeah, that's why Chris I was Cole. a little confused by that. But oh, Chris yeah. Cole, yeah. So yeah, yeah if look. I like Bodie a lot more than Brandon does. I think Bodie's a top 250 caliber linebacker. I do. And he's a kid. If you, here's the thing you have to remember. This kid didn't just start really thinking he was going to be a college linebacker until recently. Yes. That's the reason he was committed to Ohio State for lacrosse. I mean, that was going to be his sport. That He just kind of – he's grown, and now all of a sudden football is a lot more. So I, I see a lot more room for him to get better, in my opinion. 
but to your point, man, if you give me Kingston, Bodie Cahoon, and Chris Cole in the same yeah. class, it's yeah. not going to have the ranking that the last two classes had. It won't because like Chris Cole's not going to be like a top hundred guy like Drake Bowen was, and and Bodie Cahoon's not going to be as highly ranked as Jaden Allsbury. Kingston will be ranked high, yeah. but I'm gonna look at it and say potential and it it's more projectable right i mean there's more well, i mean that's not more projectable that's not the right word there's more projection required yeah of the 24 linebacker class but the ceilings can stack up with the last two classes and and, and to in a lot of ways if you get that trio right a little bit more boomer bust but yeah. it, it would you know what it would it would remind me a lot of last year's d-line class where you know there's some you're taking some chances but man, if these kids all hit, or even if two of them, you got a heck of a linebacker class. And the reason I'd be great with it in this 24 class, right, is because of how well you recruited linebacker the last two years. You can yeah. take some project projects with some some big ceilings. A kid who's, you know, Cole, like Bodie, who's just now learning to play football, uh, you know, or focus on football, or a guy like Chris Cole, who's who's more upside than any of his ability. Thank you, my dear. Uh, you can take a chance on guys like that a little bit more. My wife's like looking at me. Uh, mad at me because I'm still talking. She's making me take a cough drop. Um, yeah. So uh, that 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 would be just. Can you hand me one? Uh, that would be. Uh, sorry for all the noise, everyone. Uh, but uh, I, I'm okay with that, Ryan, because you got last year's linebacker class, because you got right. the year before, and so I, I I would be thrilled with that. And and if you take Brian Huff and replace one of those two guys with a Brian Huff. Uh, uh, you know, but th- the key is in each of these scenarios, right? Kingston has to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. He has to be a part of it. And that's, that's the key for me. Man, Chris Cole's a stud, man. I really like Chris Cole a lot. Kingston's a very good football player, obviously, but I think Chris Cole's got massive upside. You'd be funny if all three of those guys, Brandon ended up in the class right this second per se, Chris Cole would be the lowest ranked of them and i just think yeah. that's so funny man absolutely yeah. hysterical that he's a three-star <laughs> like it just doesn't make any sense ryan man. that linebacker class would have some fans that are stargazers i rate oh what i yeah. rate but if i would look, be thrilled with it if you look at just the recruiting profile just the star ranking and stuff you and it's chris cole from virginia you're like what is this another three-star okay guys yeah. all right meanwhile georgia and tennessee and all these dudes are coming I didn't even answer, think oh, about the fact that two of those three kids would be from virginia that only adds oh, yeah. to how great it is oh, yeah, uh, sure. but in all seriousness i've actually come around on bodie Cahoon. I, you know this run i wasn't super i had to keep watching him and keep you know, looking at him and then like the more film you see, you're like, okay, I see it. I see a little he's bit a good, more. He's a good player, man. You know, yeah. and then you start thinking about, well, this is a kid that just now is getting into football, like really folks, not getting into football, but like really focusing on it. Like this might be my career path. Yeah. And so I've really come around on it, but yeah, you give me that, uh, that you give me three of that four. Like, even if it's Bodie, Brian Huff and Chris Cole, I'm still pretty fired up. It's just not as good as it would have been if you had Kingston. Sure, it's it's a lot more project, a lot more projects in that in that regard. But even then, Brian, there's some ce- some ceilings in that group. Oh yeah, Brian Huff can you know? be a dude, man. He yeah, can be a dude. There's some really good ceilings in that group. It, it was also good that I that when Bodie came here, he measured in at six two two nineteen as well. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's nice. All right, cool. You're two nineteen, yeah. and you don't you're like you have a lot of room to grow. That's that's good to yeah. see. So I, I want to address this question too because I think this is a very fair point from Bob O'Day. Bob says, are, are we that deep a linebacker? Two of those guys went to Viper. I'm not even including. Josh Burnham and Junior Tualamaca in my conversation. Yeah. And the reason I do think they're that deep for a couple reasons, Bob, it's a, I think it's a very fair question, is because I don't view Notre Dame as a three-linebacker defense moving forward. I think if you look at the way that Notre Dame is recruiting, they're trying to recruit they're, – they're trying to overload on in the secondary every year. Why? Because yeah. I think ultimately Notre Dame wants to have a lot more 5-DB options, which means more two-linebacker alignments. That's the way I look at it. So you have guys that can play multiple positions in that group, right? Drake Bone can play either inside spot. Nolan can play either inside spot. Uh, I think uh, Chris Cole could play Rover Will. Jaden Osberg could play Rover Will or Mike. Preston Zinter could be a Will, maybe even a Mike. Uh, I mean, excuse me, a Mike, maybe a Will, could maybe even grow into a Viper if the need is there. So you have these three guys to it. Kingston is a guy, to me, that can be a two-deep guy in day one if he continues to pro- progress, much like I thought Junior 2 Alamaka should have been. Yeah, but it, it it really comes down to Bob. If Notre Dame is still a pure three down 
three linebacker base defense, like as much as they have been in the past, then I think I would say, yeah, there's some, there's some questions to this, but I really believe Notre Dame is going to be where the Rover, if he's only a Rover is on the field half the time, maybe yeah. and his backup, so to speak is a safety or a corner or, you know, cause that's the package you're going to. So I think that factors into it for me, Ryan, as well. Why I don't look at it is because if you're thinking about it's five guys in two years, that's not enough to fill it too deep. Well, to me, it does because I include other guys as part of that conversation. And here's the other thing, too. I know he's going to start at safety, but when I'm thinking of the future at linebacker, I'm thinking of Luke Talich as being one of those guys, either as a rover awesome. or at will. Yeah. And, and I view, look, I, I know that he's a walk on, but when I evaluate the 23 class, I don't evaluate Luke Talich as a walk-on because I don't ev- I don't include walk-ons when I'm evaluating recruiting classes. <laughs> this one I do. I'm, Dude, I'm serious. Good, like when I he's when good. I inv- when I evaluate Notre Dame, they beat Utah for him. If and they would have offered him or Washington, yeah, yeah. they beat Pac-12 teams for this kid. He's not yeah. a walk-on. He's only a walk-on in the in in one sense only. He's he's got to pay his own way to go to school. But yeah. as a football player, Luke Talich is not a walk-on. Yeah, it's, as it's a not, football it, talent. It's not like big sky schools where there's only offers to play yes. FCS football, right? Like it was like legit Pac-12 schools, Oregon State, Washington State, Utah. Like yeah. legit teams wanted Luke Tolich to come play football yes. for them. So, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that has to factor in too, Bob. Again, a very fair question. Bob, a very fair question. And I hope that explains where I'm coming from on that one. I would be shocked if Luke doesn't have a scholarship eventually, man. I think he's really Oh, good. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Brandon That's something too is, is, is yep. some, something about the linebacking core, Ryan. If Notre Dame could only get two linebackers in this class, yeah, that's the first thing I do. Hey, you know what? We're not going to take if, if you're not getting the guys you like. Let's say you get Bodie Cahoon and you get a Chris Cole or Brian Huff, but you miss on Kingston. Instead yeah. of going to Cole Sullivan, I'd just say, hey, Luke, here's your scholarship. Because I'd be worried about Luke Talich coming here, being a good football player, and being like, man, you know, like, look, I, I, I know that I agreed to come here but i mean I, I got a chance to go somewhere and be on scholarship and sure you know and and, and be a player and uh you know say no we're gonna we're gonna keep you here man that's that's what i personally what i would do that's instead fair, of taking th- that other option but so, uh, well right yeah. i remember i remember when the peyton bowen stuff happened someone asked is like was luke talich get that scholarship now and and like at first you say like that's ridiculous but then you're like thinking you're like it's not the craziest thing in the world, right. man. Like he's a good player. Like it's not crazy. Right. <laughs> Only reason I would have said no is not because he was a player, but he's already agreed to come on its own yes, dime. True, <laughs> true. Take advantage of that for at least a year. Yeah, and then, uh, and then, and then put him. On, I mean, to me, I put him on scholarship in two thousand and twenty-five. The other interesting thing about this is, as of right now, we also have to consider Kiana uh, Kahanu Kia as part he's of the future back. linebacker yeah. as well. Yeah. As of right now, he plans to come back to Notre Dame. So, because you interviewed his little brother, and that's what they said. Yes. He's coming back to Notre Dame. Right. So that also factors into it because he missed last year and he'll miss this year. But if he does stay at Notre Dame, Kahanu is going to be a part of the 20, 2024 team. Yep. So that's also another thing that factors into it as well. So I, I and, and he'll be a guy with three years of eligibility left when he arrives. So that that's hope that kind of clears up how I view the numbers of linebacker. Brandon Plunsner's question. Does the staff like Logan Thomas or Cole Mullins better? Cole, Cole Mullins? Yeah. I think Cole Mullins. Yeah. The the Logan Thomas visit went well, but but you didn't necessarily hear a a a push from the staff coming out of the visit. And I think that's sometimes you got to read the tea leaves. Like, how hard does Notre Dame continue to push a kid after the visit? And um, we've seen a couple times. Darian Mayo's an example. Uh, Jaden Rodell is another example. We're coming out of the visit. The staff had a different view on on the situation than coming into, and that's about all I really care to say about it. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Who do you like better between those two? I answered the staff question, and I like Cole Mullins. 
I see better. them as different players. Like yeah. I, I guess that's my my disconnect. Well, is if, that, you could, if you only yeah. had one scholarship to give out on the defensive line, one more left, and you had to give it between one of those two kids, probably and, Logan. Okay, Logan really. Okay, probably Logan. Yeah, slightly. What I like about this recruiting cycle, Ryan, is you and I have a lot more differences of opinion on players this year, which makes for yeah. more fun conversation. Absolutely. A lot more than last. Last year, we were kind of on the same page on most guys, but definitely a lot Simpat- more. Simpatico last yeah. year. Nah, yeah. What's going on, man? Why, what, <laughs> what's, what's the deal? All right. Christopher Walters. Let's ask this one. Go ahead. Christopher asks, why did Notre Dame run the option during the whole tiers? Was the talent inferior, so they had to play keep away Navy style, or was it just to take advantage of Tony Rice's skill sets? Christopher, I'm not sure how old you are, and and, and I'm not <laughs> saying this insultingly. I'm, I'm saying this in that, like, if you're Ryan's age, you didn't watch most of the whole tiers. I would encourage you to go to a website, www.drafthistory.com. The top left, it's actually a great site for anyone that loves a draft. Ryan, I'm, I'm sure you've looked at this site because it's great for research. You can go to positions. You can search by positions, schools, NFL teams, or whatever. Go to colleges, and then it gives you all the A, B, to Z. Click N. Hit Control F, <laughs> search for Notre Dame. Go down to Notre Dame. And then go look from 1989 to 1994 and look at the NFL draft production for Notre Dame. It's, that's, that was his offense. That's what he ran everywhere. And at the time, because here's the thing, Lou Holtz did not run the option the way that Navy did. They were not mm-hmm. a wing T team. They were a power I option. They looked a lot more like Nebraska back then than they did Navy. Nebraska and Notre Dame were two dominant teams in the late 80s, early 90s. They were both option teams. The option back then was more of an I back option, right? You'd run the dive and the traps with the fullback, and then you'd pitch off of it. Navy is more of a veer type of like, it's, it's almost like the flex bone, right? It, it's, 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 a, it's coming off of that a little bit more than it was the power option. Yeah. Cause power option teams would also run like Nebraska had a ton of option, but Nebraska's base play was power. O, not the option. I mean, they were making their bread and butter, handing the ball off to their tailbacks with the fullback kicking out backside guard, wrapping around down blocks, kicks and all that. And then they'd run option off of it. Notre Dame's a very similar way, right? I mean, you go look at Notre Dame back in Lou Holtz's era. Go watch the 93 game. I think the first big long run that Lee Beckton had, I believe, against Florida State was a handoff. So it's just a different type of, of deal. And it was more conducive to that era, right? It, it fit the kind of athletes that teams recruited, you know, fullbacks, tight ends, 3-4, three, 4-3 four, four, three defenses. You know, it was more of a power box game than it is now where everything is spread out now. You had teams that spread things out. I mean, Dennis Erickson at Miami, he came over, what, in when he come, 89? I think it was his first year, or was it 90? But never. But when he came from, where did he come from? Like Washington State or something like that? Something Idaho like that. State, something like that. But he was a he was a four wide man, throw that sucker all around. You know, Houston had the, the in 89, the Heisman Trophy winner was uh, Andre Ware. I mean, they they were throwing it all over the field. David Klingler replaced him. They had a game where they scored like 95 you- points. It's if SMU. you wanted a quarterback bust in that in those eras, it was from the University of Houston. 100%. Was, 100%. Andre Ware and David King. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but they threw the ball over the field, man, and, yes, and put up did. crazy numbers. So, But it was it was college football back then was still a run-the-football, you know, power football is still what it was back then, and, and that's just what they did. So it had nothing to do with lack of talent. That's just, just what Lou ran, and that's what he ran kind of everywhere. And, and also, they were loaded at running back. Yeah, I mean, they would recruit seven, eight running backs a year. And make and, some of the defensive yeah, back. <laughs> yeah, corner, fullback. Say, I mean, you know, just move them all over the place. Because high school yeah. football back then was different, too. Back then, your best – your best, I mean, Mike Elston was 6'5", 230 pounds coming out of high school. Got recruited to Michigan as a defensive end outside linebacker. He was a tailback in high school. Because back then in the 80s, you put your best athlete at running back. Eventually, you got to the point where teams would put the best athlete at quarterback. It just changed. And so the game was different. So, yeah, most teams, their best athletes were their running backs. You'd recruit eight, nine running backs, and this guy's going to go to linebacker. This guy's going to go to corner. This guy's going to go to safety, depending on the size. And then this guy, I mean, they they were so loaded at running back that they moved Reggie Brooks to cornerback as a freshman. Audrey Denson started off at corner. He's the school's all-time leading rusher. But uh, that's just kind of how they were. But uh, it's just a different game. 
it was a different game. It wasn't about uh, it was about that. It was just a different game. You, I don't think you could do that now, in my opinion. At least it'd be a little harder to do that now. But, I mean, there's still athletes you could get a cornerback, quarterback, where you could do some stuff like that. And it's www. Somebody asked www.drafthistory.com is the is the website. So um yeah, that's uh that's that's my stance. Anything you want to add to that, Ryan, or is it a little bit too early too too before your time to, little too to before comment time. on it? A little okay. bit, yeah. It was also kind of more common for teams to run that offense right. at that point, too. Like it wasn't yeah. just like a oh man, we have to do this out of necessity. It was more like that was just yeah. But people did <laughs> right, and 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 you know it was it was partly why teams like Navy and Air you know t- Navy like Air Force's option was so unique back then, but like just the option by itself was not a unique thing back then. Part of what makes yeah. Navy and those teams so successful now is because nobody runs the option anymore except for them. You know, I, but back and, then and, po- and Paul Johnson and Georgia Tech a few years right. ago. So <laughs> right, but uh, I mean back then a lot. I mean Oklahoma was an option team back in the eighties. Yeah. Uh, Nebraska was an option team. Notre Dame was an option team. There's a lot Nebraska, more of that. Nebraska was an option team for a long time, man. They were yeah. Really I mean, it, they were an They're option the team 90s. when they lost to Miami in 2001. Or I was 2000, to say. Was it, yeah, 2001 when they lost to Miami. Eric I was Crouch. about to say, man, they were literally running the option in the 2000s still. Yeah. 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 Yep. K. Grant with a su- big super chat, man. I appreciate you, K. Grant, very, 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 very much. Uh, so, uh, and Chris Walters too. When I say when I say how old you are, it's not an insult. It helps gives me context for that era because it it, it if you're if you're that age, then we'd be having a different conversation than someone who's Ryan's age. Who you know you got to say okay, well look, this is just how it was back then. So I hope that you didn't take any offense to the manner in which I asked that question because it was not intended to be so. All right, let's get to let's move on to this one, Ryan. From Zaremba R, do you think Notre Dame should do something crazy with uniforms during spring game? Since it, um, since if people hate them, at least it was only for a spring game. No, uh, take it or leave. I it. mean, I don't really have an opinion what, on that. What I would think would be fun is if you like just like I mean, just get silly with it and just say, "Hey, <laughs> this team's going to be in blue, and this team's going to have gold jerseys." You know, something like that. You know, just have some yeah. fun with it. You know. But I mean, at the same time, it's like those things that cost money. It's like it's not you, you got to buy those jerseys. It's not like they're just handing them out to you for free. You still got to buy. That's them. a lot of money, man. It's a yeah, buddy. <laughs> I I personally would would do what I would do for the spring game. It's up to me. Is honestly is, is I would I would do some kind of fundraiser every year to buy the spring game jerseys. You know, Notre Dame fans would step up to the plate, and what I would do is is I would get I would kind of have like just the, the real jerseys that they wear. And I'd have the names on the back and all that stuff. And at the end of the spring, because these would be special jerseys you buy. It's like actual game jerseys with names on it. And maybe even have like every year you've got like a blue gold game logo, you know, for it. And I'd, after the end of spring, every kid that was part of the team, I'd frame it and give them the jersey. It's going to, hey, you're part of this team. Because I know there's been times in the past, I don't know if it's true now, but like guys that played recently that were like, yeah, we had to buy our jerseys if we wanted to keep them when we were done and to buy them. We had to buy our helmets if we wanted to keep our helmets when we were done playing. I don't know if that's still true or not, but that's what I would do and raise the money and do a fun fundraiser. And, you know, donors and fans will step up. And that, so if I were going to do something funky like that, I would do something like that. Almost make it like a bowl game, Ryan, like a bowl game jersey, yeah. you know, names in the pack, have the blue gold game logo or something like that and, and do it that way. And then just at the end, you get them all framed and you give all those kids jerseys and it's their reward for being part of that team and busting their humps and stuff like that. That's what I would do. I think it'd be fun. But as far as the funky jerseys, alternates, I wouldn't do that. Get some uh, Oregon jerseys out there. Yeah. So they yeah. funk it up. Yeah. 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 So yeah, it'd be interesting. So uh, I want to bring this up from Katie Kievers. Uh, Katie said, just wanted to say, it's pretty awesome. You guys take time to answer these mailback questions each show. No one else in the business is doing that. Thanks. I appreciate Thank that, you. Katie, because we have a lot of people that complain about playing time or about the length of our shows. And so uh, it's nice when because I know the reason people like it, because you guys stay. Our numbers are if, if if people didn't stay the whole time, we wouldn't be doing it. If you if people didn't ask questions, our shows would be a lot shorter. <laughs> so we enjoy it. And what I've always said, Katie, is I don't, this isn't a show, just a show. This is a community. And that's what we always wanted to do from the beginning. 
And if all we do is come talk at you all the time and don't engage with you and all that, then eventually it just, you find another show. This is a community you want to come back to. And um, we appreciate y'all a lot more than you realize. We really do. That's why I'm sitting here. If I didn't care about y'all, I wouldn't be sitting here sounding like this, still doing this show. But <laughs> screw it. I'm not doing that today. <laughs> but, you know, you guys expect it. We've already canceled enough shows lately. So we stepped up to the plate. Rule number 76, Ryan. No excuses. Play like a champion. So here we go. Here's one from Jay Wick. <laughs> Jay Wick says, Brian Ryan, what was your guys' pregame meals of choice? Uh, some type of pasta dish. I mean, yeah. that's kind of we, we, we always used to carbo load before games. That was it. So yeah, I uh, where I went to college, we actually would like kind of make us breakfast, and so I I would have um, eggs and bacon, potatoes and pancakes. That was how Sounds I good. Car- carbo loaded because we always play like D three usually play like noon. Yeah, and so we didn't. Our pregame meal was that, and and then in high school, my last two years of high school, we played on Saturdays. So uh-huh. our big carbo load would be Friday night. And then yeah. we would have, because uh, we didn't have lights at our stadium. And so uh, we would uh, we would do that. Yeah. So, uh, but pa- yeah. I, pasta, pasta parties in high school were fun. They were fun. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Here we go. We got one from Brandon Plensner. Brandon said, how big promising it is it that Dewan Lane is currently visiting is maybe a realistic option now? Well, I, I don't know that we said most recently that he's not realistic. I know we said that a couple of weeks ago because he wasn't really engaging with Notre Dame as much. Yeah. But we did say recently that he's been a lot more involved with Notre Dame and that he's a more realistic option now, but it's still going to be hard. They had to get him yeah. on campus. The fact that they were able to get him on campus this quickly after sort of reengaging with him was a very good sign. Now, does that mean that they're going to get him and close on him? That remains to be seen, but it's certainly a good sign. Certainly yeah. a good sign. And this is a guy that the staff likes a lot and has a long, I mean, Ryan, you and I've talked about this. Remember a couple months ago, I said, you said, you know, man, staff really likes Dewan Lane. He just, he's not showing a lot of interest in him right now. Yeah. Well, now he is. And that's a good sign. And, and the biggest thing, Ryan, I, I, I look two huge things about Dewan Gilman three, number one, he's talented. The other two are what he's a safety and he's from Maryland. <laughs> He's from that private school area. You know, he's, he's yeah. from that DC yeah. private, the DC Maryland private school area where Notre Dame has yeah. to have more success, you know, and, yeah. and um, it'd be nice. To, it's been a while since they got a Gilman kid too. I think the last Gilman kid they got was uh year. They got Victor Abbey Amiri and, and uh, Ambrose Wooden in the same class from, from Ooh, Gilman. It's been, a, it's been a little while. It's been man. a minute. Yeah. It's, it's been, been a minute. minute. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's see here. Um, he could flip. Uh, he could flip the conversation to safety recruiting, though, if they did make a serious move with them, though. So, oh we'll yeah, see. no doubt. Oh, absolutely, no doubt. Here's a here's a fun one, Ryan from John A. One. John A. One says, "Which walk-ons are you looking forward to seeing the most on Saturday?" Walk-ons. Yeah, you know th- that's a a great question. Here's a, here's one. Here's a kid that has really impressed me every single time I've been at practice. There's two, there's two yeah. DBs that I've really been impressed by. One is Marty Auer, safety. Uh, I like him. But there's a corner named Isaiah Dunn that, I mean, he's like, I've seen him pick off two or three passes. He's a pretty quality athlete. Like, he doesn't look like you're t- – I mean, he's not as fast as the other corners. Like, when you see him just up and run, you, you kind of see a little bit in the speed-wise. But he moves well. He's a good football player. I'm interested in watching him play a little bit, to be honest with you. And – um you know, some of the walk-on receivers like Leo Scheidler will get a chance to see them play because they're they're gonna get more of a chance to play. Um and 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 that's a that's another area that I'd like to look at. They got a couple walk-ons that like that looked the part. They got a DN who who uh I mean he's not gonna he's not a guy that's gonna play for Notre Dame, but like this kid named Kofi, um I forget his last uh, name. So I, know you're I know you're he's, talking about yeah. he's not bad. He's not bad. I mean he looks the part, man. He's not a bad football player, but yeah. I think he's listed at like six four yeah. and Two sixty or He's, something. Like I mean, that. and you see him in person, you're like this. My my, I was I told my wife to get a picture of Jason Onye before the game, and and she took a picture of Kofi because I think she, they look so much similar physically. Yeah, and so she <laughs> took a picture of him. Their numbers are really close, forty five and forty seven. So, but uh, yeah, he, he's a good looking kid. But you know who else I really want to see too, Ryan, is Trey Reader. Yeah, he was a good football player in high school from uh, Berkeley Prep. I wouldn't yeah. mind seeing Trey as well. It, it's going to be fun to watch. 
I want to see the new quarterback, man, Dylan yeah. DeVezin. I want to see yeah. him. I've been, I, I remember when he first came and Coach Freeman was like, yeah, it's just showed up for Louisiana. Like, I want to see him throw yeah. the ball around a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Ryan, we're going to end it here um, with uh, the worst 2K big men HD. Uh, he says, uh, I can't, I can, I can uh, ask for prayers for my dad. He's having surgery in a few days. So, yeah, this is definitely the place for that, man. I appreciate you putting that in there, but we will definitely be uh, keeping your dad in our prayers. I'm curious kind of what surgery. Is it just something minor that you just never know, or is it something kind of major that uh, is really concerning? I mean, we'll pray either way, but just kind of a little bit, you know, a little bit more of what we can pray for would be greatly, greatly appreciated. But, yeah, we'll definitely keep your dad in our prayers, no question. And then, um, you know, when things turn out well, we'd love to hear about it as well. So. Uh, appreciate that. But look, that's going to do it for today's show, everybody. W- w- I'll let y'all know tomorrow, uh, the, the mailbag's a little up in the air. The combination of Ryan traveling and me just, I don't know how much voice I'm going to have tomorrow. So we'll do our best. And that's why we went a little long on the mailbag today, because I wanted to get as much as I could in for you all today, because I'm just unsure if we're going to be able to have a, a show tomorrow for the mailbag. Well, I'm going to try my best and we'll see how I'm feeling. But uh, well, that's a little uh, up in the air. But I do know for a fact, Ryan, that we're going to have IB Nation Sports Talk tonight at 6 o'clock. And then tomorrow, 5 o'clock, they'll have their their special rapid fire show on Friday. And then we'll have a post-game show on Saturday after the game once we all, once me and Vince get back to our our uh, respective uh, humble abodes. We will uh, we'll have a post-game show. And then, of course, next Monday we'll, we'll have – Monday we'll have a recap of as much of the recruiting as we can possibly can. And then our shows next week are going to be kind of putting a bow on sort of the spring as we transition into the off season and looking at the different positions and you know, kind of where Notre Dame is and what are the question marks, what are the remaining battles and all that kind of stuff. And then we'll jump into our normal post game. So we'll also have a show. We'll do that over the next couple of weeks, but we're also going to do a show next week, kind of looking at that ESPN power index, having Notre Dame number nine and just some of the other rankings and, we're going to mix things up a little bit this summer, how exactly that's going to look. I don't have that locked in yet. That's something that we're going to continue to sit down on. But uh, we're definitely going to try to do a lot more on our on our different platforms, including CFP Nation. We will ha- – listen, I need you all to do something before you leave. If you haven't left yet, don't leave. I need you all to go to CFP Nation's YouTube channel and podcast channel now and subscribe. And the reason is is because we're probably going to have at least you know sometimes, like on a Wednesday – we may be talking about more college football topics. We're going to actually go live on the CFB nation channel. And so not only the Irish breakdown channel for those particular shows, all of our Notre Dame stuff is going to stay here, but there may be some times where we go live there and, and have those shows. So you're definitely going to subscribe there and turn the notification bells on for that channel as well. Cause we're going to have some of those shows there. Now, if we're talking about big picture topics, like the transfer portal and something like that, I will keep that here. But if we're kind of doing a, you know, Big 12 preview or something like that. We're going to do that on the CFP Nation channel and keep this more about stuff that's relative to Notre Dame. So just keep that in mind. Definitely a reason you're going to want to subscribe to CFP Nation. Also, eventually, as we get closer to the season, all the CFP Nation shows right now that you can find on the Irish Breakdown podcast app are going to be put only on the CFP Nation app. So we're going to eventually transition those over to that as well. So you're definitely more and more reason and incentive why you want to sign up for the CFP Nation app. So uh, do that. But hey, always hit that like button at our breakdown as well. Subscribe, make sure you're subscribed to this channel, hit the notification bell, share this podcast, sign up for the message board, sports.irishbreakdown.com. Have a great rest of your day, everybody. Ryan, safe travels tomorrow is my friend. I will see you this weekend. You all that are coming to the game also have a safe travel. We're not doing any kind of IB tailgate, uh, but if you all tell me where you are, uh, I will do my best to come out and see you as best I can. So have a great rest of your day, safe travels, and we'll talk to you again very soon on the Irish Breakdown Podcast.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.